Want to take a shower with Mitch? Hey, Siri, play Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. I couldn't find Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon in your music. Ugh, she never works. Direct from Montreal, Canada, this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to uh, Personal Finances uh, with uh, Mitch LaFon. Uh, on the phone, I have uh, Tommy DiCarlo, a Home Depot credit manager, going to tell you how to uh, save up for that next new roof. And uh, what what was that? A rock talk. Oh, oh, right. Sorry. Uh, welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. And I've got, um, well, Tommy DiCarlo, singer for Boston. And of course, anybody who's a Boston fan will know that he was a Home Depot credit manager who was picked out of the depot and brought over to the stage to uh, sing. In fact, uh, at the legendary uh, Brad Delp uh, tribute concert and, of course, uh, later moving on, performing with the band uh, over the years. But now he's got his own band called DiCarlo and their latest album, Lightning Strikes Twice, was released in January. So, uh, hey, you know, let's just get right into it. It's a fascinating story of uh, rags to riches. And uh, and then, by the way, uh, I, I might still help you to uh, finance your your new roof later. So uh, stick around. Maybe I'll give you some advice. Who knows? On uh, Well, here we are on uh, 321. Here is uh, the one, uh, the only, Tommy DiCarlo. We are speaking with uh, Boston singer uh, Tommy DiCarlo, the new album. DiCarlo comes out January 24th. Uh, bonjour, monsieur. How are you? Mitch, I'm well. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Yes. Uh, so talk to me about the, uh, before we get to all the Boston stuff, talk to me about this sort of, is it a band album or is it a solo album? No, it's definitely a band album. Um, it's something that we uh, we didn't really plan on doing. I've been writing for a long time. Now, I did have a, a few songs already in the can, but they weren't for a record. They were just stuff that I was doing. And um, Frontiers actually reached out to Gary Peel, of course, Gary, the longtime guitarist for the band Boston, and um, he said that they were uh, wanting to get in touch with me about doing an album. So, you know, I was I was shocked. I was like, wow, that's awesome. So uh, I got in touch with Frontiers and, uh, you know, we just, you know, we uh, we hashed out a, a deal and we just went to work. And, and I did have a few songs that were already finished however i had to you know i had to tweak them a little bit here and there to get them um ready for the for the album but for the most part yes this is definitely a, a band record talk to me in terms of sound because of course you are singing with boston have been since 2008 <laughs> do you sort of see yourself going in that melodic rock sort of boston kind of road you know down that road or do you sort of create something new fans not knowing what de carlos is yet what is the sound that you're going for? Well, you know, I was influenced heavily, of course, by the band Boston, but also some other bands from back in that day. You know, back in the uh, in the '70s and '80s, uh, uh, the Foreigners, the Journeys, um, the band Sticks also was a big uh, influence on me. So, I really took a piece of everything that was inside of me in terms of uh, you know music, and and it, it was. It was really a lot of fun to do because I was able to, um, you know, not that I was out to duplicate anything, but I am particularly fond of that of that era of music, you know, that classic rock, melodic classic rock. So 
it was only natural for me to go in that direction um, when I was writing uh, the, the songs for the album. And um, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, a lot of fun. It was, it was definitely something that I, you know, um, I didn't really have to uh, find a sound. I knew the sound that I wanted. Uh, I always loved Tom Scholl's Hammond organ and uh, there's some of that in there. And um, so yeah, you know, I really took a piece of a lot of those bands from back in the day, the melodic classic rock bands, and and um, you know, I, I put them, uh, I put them to use in in, in our record, and um, I, I think it's uh, it's it was a it was a good choice. It was a good good way to go because it really uh, really came together nicely. Yeah, it really did. And of course, uh, you're working with your your son on this one. Talk to me a little bit about working with. Not only just a, a family member like a brother, but a son and seeing him get involved in this kind of music. Because obviously he's not from the era of classic melodic rock. He's not from the era of Foreigner. Uh, how did he get an appreciation for this? And does he bring some new elements to what you do and gives it sort of a different kind of, you know, sort of a classic melodic rock with a little bit of modern edge to it? Yes, he does. Working with my son has been um, just a, a blessing, really. Um he, uh, I took him to his first Boston concert in uh, back in the '90s, and uh, I can remember he just lit up. He loved it, and um, we, uh, I, you know, I brought him home, and and uh, you know, shortly thereafter, he wanted to start playing guitar, and of course, Tom was his, uh, you know, his hero, uh, rock and roll hero, uh, Tom Scholz. So. Um, he really, uh, he really embraced that music, and because it was, <laughs> it was all that I listened to. You know, he had no choice but to listen to it because we were in the car together, wherever we were going. It was that type of music, and uh, so it, it's been a lot of fun. He does bring a little bit of uh, of his own, you know, his own thing to the to the set list, uh, and he does well with that. Um, especially on the record, you know, he, he does, he did some really nice guitar work on the record as well, but, um, it, it's been, you know, who would ever believe it? I mean, him and I, we have a couple of moments that are pretty special for us. And, um, you know, we both think the same, the same way when Tommy came out to see Boston, um, him and I went to go see them together you know, we were just fans and I don't mean just fans, but we were fans, you know, fans of the band. And, uh, and then, you know, some years later, here I am on stage with Boston and I look to the side of the stage and there's my son backstage watching the show. And, uh, you know, and now we're, you know, we're doing it together on stage. And, um, so we have some nice moments that we, you know, we definitely appreciate together up there on stage. I can imagine. And I, I can also imagine, being a fan of the band and becoming a member when you're over at the home depot and you come in the next day and you tell the coworkers, by the way, next summer I'm going to be touring with Boston. What was that sort of reaction? Like, was there a lot of, Oh, you're such a liar. What? Or was it like, Hey, look at you. All right. You know, what's funny about that is when I, um, when I went up to go perform with the band at the tribute show, um, everybody knew about that. Um, it was a, you know, pretty, pretty awesome thing. I got to go up there and perform with, with the band Boston and I got to meet them all. And that was, and Tom was, uh, you know, kind enough and generous enough, not just to fly me up, but he flew my whole family up there and put us all up. And we were up there for about, about a week. And, um, 
it was just a great experience. But when I came back, of course, Home Depot was uh, our store. They were they were excited. And um, we had a little party, and they had a little thing set up in our break room. It was really, it was really kind of cool. But then um, after that, Tom had called me just, uh, you know, maybe a few five, six days after that particular tribute show and uh, asked me if I would be interested in going out with the band on tour the following summer, which, of course, I said yes. But what he what he did was tell me to, you know, just kind of keep it quiet and don't say nothing to anybody just in case something doesn't work out. And so the funny thing was I was going to Home Depot and most of them, the excitement wore off and it was like, you know, I think they just kind of thought, well, you know, he had his 15, you know, seconds of fame and it's, it's, he's done, you know, it was over. And, and we talked about it and we had a good time with it. But what they didn't know is when uh, the tour got closer, I was actually flying up to Boston on weekends to rehearse with the band. And my, my coworkers had no clue. They just figured I was off for the weekend. Hey, what'd you do this week? I don't know. Nothing said around, watch football or whatever I did, you know. So it was kind of funny that I was doing that and I couldn't really tell them. And, uh, and then when, when I finally, uh, the, the tour was announced, then of course it was, uh, you know, everybody knew about it and, and it was, it was pretty crazy at that point, but very supportive at my local Home Depot store. I was very thankful for my, uh, my coworkers. They were great about all this. That's that's the greatest story flying up. And and by the way, <laughs> what some fans might not know is that this was all made possible through MySpace. And it's like, wow, MySpace actually had a use. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I know. Right? I know. Um, I, I couldn't believe that. Thankfully, my daughter, she was into the MySpace thing at the time. And, and um, you know, she was able to help me. Post a couple of my uh, Boston cover songs on there, and, and really, that's that's how that all happened. So, yeah, that's the greatest story ever. So, th- there's one thing about being flown out to a, a tribute show, and you and you sing the song, and then you get to do the tour. Like, you know, you're sort of increasing the fan magic or or, or that moment. But then you get to live uh, life, love, and hope the album, and you actually get to record a Boston album and be part of an album. And of course they use Brad on there uh, posthumously. What was that like knowing that your voice now is going to live forever on a Boston album and actually be part of it? Uh, Talk to me about recording that album and just being like, Oh wow, I'm not just on the stage now. I'm on this forever moment. Well, I gotta tell you, Tom made it so incredibly comfortable for me to record with him. And it was the same way, excuse me, in rehearsals uh, for the tour. Um, It was, I mean, he's incredibly easy to work with. I mean, he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, super generous in terms of of taking his time to help you become a better musician, you know, uh, and that was, that's something that we all benefited from in the band. And um, so when it came time to go up to uh, Boston and and, um, record with him on Life, Love and Hope, it was, I was able to, you know, I was able to go up there and not be too overwhelmed. Um, However, it was the first time that I had been in his recording studio. So, you know, right away, I'm, you know, as soon as I walked in, I'm looking around at different instruments and things that 
you know, I, I see like a, a Wurlitzer keyboard and I'm thinking, man, I wonder if that's the Wurlitzer that was played on my destination on the third stage album or something, you know, or when I went up, uh, when I got behind the mic and I started recording, I did have those moments where I thought, wow, I'm, I'm standing where, you know, the, the late great Brad Delp once stood and recorded. I wonder if I'm singing into the same microphone that maybe he did. So I did have those moments. Uh, and that was, you know, an incredible experience. And I'm very thankful that I had some time to actually go out and, you know, uh, do a couple of tours with the band and, and, and have some time with them before I had to do that. Because I think I was actually a better vocalist, you know, for Tom, especially on that record then than I would have been if it was, you know, fresh out of the Home Depot box. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, just real quick, since I am in uh, Montreal, on the uh, Life, Love and Hope you covered O Canada, which you actually sang, uh, talk to me about the decision of, for the lack of a better word, an American band covering the Canadian National Anthem. How did that come about? There's obviously some kind of backstory to it. You know, honestly, I, I really don't know. I know that um, when we were... Uh, I, I, um, getting ready to go out on tour, I knew that we were, we had a couple of shows up in Canada. And um, I can remember uh, Tom coming in uh, late in, re in the rehearsal uh, sessions for that tour with uh, an amazing demo of, um, of O Canada. And I was like, you know, we were all like, wow, this, this is amazing. I mean, he, he, you know, he recorded it at, at home and he brought it in and, and he wanted us to hear it and, you know, see how we felt about making a run at it. So I was all into it. I was like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds great. It, and, and then when I, you know, then when he said, okay, Tom, you're going to be playing all the strings, the keyboard string part to it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> so it wasn't that exciting anymore just for fear that I wouldn't be able to play it and learn it within, you know, a, a, you know, a couple of, a few days before our first show, which was up in Canada. So, but it, you know, that goes over so well because I think it shows, you know, um, it shows our appreciation, you know, for, for um, uh, the Canadian anthem, but as well as, um, you know, showing appreciation, you know, in, in a live setting like that, when we played that and our, our videographer did some amazing footage, uh, you know, of, uh, up in Canada and it was on the big screen. And when the music was playing, I mean, the place just went nuts and it was, so it became a favorite of ours to play whenever we would go back up to Canada. It was, it was just a, you know, great feeling to, to get that reaction, you know, um, from, 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 um, you know, from the fans up in Canada it was just amazing. Oh, I can imagine. And, and it's just very special for, for, for me to think, Hey, this American band did our, our national anthem, uh, just real quick on Tom. He of course is known for the Rockman and, and, and tinkering and creating and building and engineering and doing all that stuff. When he's on the road, do you sort of see that genius at work where he's sort of tweaking stuff and coming up with stuff? Is he sort of in this nonstop creative process of, hey, we could do this better. Hey, if I just tweak that. Or when he's on the road, he's on the road. And then when he goes home, then he gets to be sort of the mad scientist, if I, if I can say that. You know, I do think there are moments when we are on the road that, um, you know, Tom is, um, uh, you know, he is in that mode. Um, uh, our rehearsal sometimes, uh, you know, the equipment that uh, Tom designed all those years ago, it's, uh, 
it's a bit te- temperamental. And, um, you know, sometimes it does take a little TLC to get, uh, you know, some of that Rockton stuff to where Tom really wants it to be. And um, so he does spend some time tweaking his rig, his guitar rig, and getting everything, uh, you know, to where he likes it. But I would have to say, for the most part, um, you know, it's, it's really about the music once we get to, uh, you know, our first show. And, um, you know, the first show of the tour. And, and it, you know, that is the main focus. The main focus is the music and performing it the best that we can, you know, to, uh, you know, to excite the fans and, 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 and give them a, you know, a heck of a show. But he does tinker a little bit, uh, definitely more so at rehearsal than, than, than at a, at a uh, on tour on, at a show. But, um, you know, to think that he, you know, has the, um, you know, has that, that in him to be able to build equipment that, I mean, it's funny, you know, people, people have invented, you know, amazing things, but to invent a sound, I mean, Tom created a sound that uh, you, when you hear it, you know what it is you, and you know what band it is. If you hear the Boston sound, you know that that's, you don't, nobody has to tell you it's Boston. You just know it is just by hearing it. And I think that is, that is, you know, very unique for an individual to be able to have the, you know, the talent to do something like that. I I fully, fully agree. Now, of course, a DiCarlo Lightning Strikes Twice comes out uh, January 24th. Do check that out. But I want to ask you about the song that you wrote in Brad's memory. You know, I, I'm a fan of, of different bands, and of course, some of them have passed away, and I've never been able to to verbalize it or, or to, to make a song what inspired you to to do that song and how did you sort of come up with it lyrically and why was it important for you to, to sort of send out this message about Brad and this guy that you've, you've loved as a fan for so many years? You know, it's, it's, um, it's hard to explain really. Um, after Brad's passing, um, I, uh, I remember sitting at my piano and it was before I had any contact with anybody from the band Boston. And, um, I just, you know, uh, one of my favorite songs because I'm a piano player was a man I'll never be, uh, which, uh, was one of Tom's, you know, uh, uh one of Tom's great songs of, of many. And, um, so as I, you know, I just thought about, I thought about the lyrics and I thought about a man I'll never be. And, you know, I just, I just put a little twist on it and I thought a man he'll always be. And I was just sitting at the piano one day and I'm just playing around and I just happened to come up with, with that. And it was, you know, there was something inside of me that wanted to express, you know, um, my feelings towards what not only Brad meant to me, but the music that he sang, which, you know, mostly written by Tom Scholl. So, you know, that was, uh, I think so many fans um, felt the same way. You know, maybe not all fans can, you know, uh, come up with a song, but that was my way of being able to express myself, you know, in, you know, in a, at a tragic time. And um, I just, it, it's, it's, I, I don't, it's one of my, I love that song. I don't play it very often. But um, I do love it. I touch on um, a number of uh, uh, titles of some of Tom's music that he's written over the years. And um, it's, it's a favorite of mine. I, I love to play it. And, uh, 
it's it's I don't think I could ever put into words what the music of Boston or the voice of Brad Delp has meant to me. I, I you know, I mean, there's a lot of bands out there and there's there's a lot of great musicians, a lot of singers and everything else. But, you know, every once in a while, you know, something comes down the pike that is just it, it touches you, you know, uh, in more ways than you can even describe and that's what uh brad delp uh and tom Scholes did with me with the with the music of boston and such great music so, so let me ask you this as a fan of boston not as a member of boston you know they they've had not that many albums they've come out you know one in 76 78 then 86 94 2000 like there's these long stretches of no boston music as a fan did you find that frustrating or did you find that special like ah now it's been 10 years now we've got something new how did you sort of see it from the fan perspective their output and waiting around because what they've put out not a lot but it's damn good right you know there was always a mystique about the band boston at least to me um of course back in the day you know there wasn't social media and and you couldn't go online and, and see everything that you could see today but being able to, um, uh, you know, every now and again, you know, they would they would put out a record, like you say, you know, it wouldn't be every year or they wouldn't tour every year or there wasn't videos of them, uh, you know, on the, you know, back in the day when they had, the you know, the TV, VH1, all the, the video stuff. So to me, I always, yeah, you wish you kind of could have saw it, but it made it that much more special whenever you did see the band or whenever a record they did release a, you know, an album or something, it was, there was just something about that. That was, you know, I loved the fact that Tom was all about the music. You know, it's, it wasn't about, you know, all the, the glitz and glamor that, you know, people tend to think goes along with being a quote unquote rock star or the rock star life. Um, So, to me, I loved the mystique about the band. I loved that you couldn't see them all the time, but whenever they did come out with something, you knew that it was going to be special. And to me, it was, you know, yeah, do, you, do I wish they had 20 albums? Sure, I do. But you know what? The ones that they did have, they were well worth the wait. And uh, I can remember when Third Stage came out, I was it was like Christmas to me. It was like, man, this is, it was amazing. I loved every minute of it. I I, I listened to the record and, and, you know, I just, I just, yeah. I, again, though, I, I really love the fact that they weren't in the mainstream on the videos. And I, I really did. Some, some about that was very appealing to me. So when you would come to a show, I mean, for the most part, you're probably laying eyes on the guys in the band that and you really haven't seen them in the last, you know, eight, 10 years or more. And to me, that was I mean, I'll give you a quick example. When I was at when I was up in Boston and we were playing, um, uh, we were rehearsing for the tribute show, and um, they began to play the song "More Than a Feeling." Well, the guest singer who was going to sing that particular song that night hadn't gotten to rehearsals yet, so uh, Tom asked me if I wanted to, you know, sing "More Than a Feeling." I said sure. So I stood up to the mic and I started singing "More Than," or they started playing "More Than a Feeling," and. I've never heard that except on a record. I've never heard it unless it was on the radio. So there's something about that that makes you think, you mean people actually can play this stuff? I mean, when I heard it, I was just in amazement to think that I'm actually hearing 
somebody play this and it's the band that's playing it. You know, they're playing the song more than a feeling and I'm about to sing it. And so, you know, that mystique was always very special to me, you know, that it just wasn't, it wasn't out there. You weren't, you know, totally, uh, you know, you, you just, it, there wasn't really well, you so much of it that you were sick of it. Yeah. You, know? you weren't oversaturated with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. That's the word. Yeah, and and that's see, and, and I agree with that. There there are some bands sometimes where they just got something new every year, and it's at some point it's like, okay, could, let's take a time out. And then there are other, you know, um, but that that's great. Uh, just real quick, uh, I'll finish on this, and and uh, I'm just gonna say, Tom Schultz, by the way, that's some guy. Someday I'm gonna have to interview. I'd love to get him on the uh, on the phone. But uh, where are we going in terms of 2020 for you? DiCarlo is probably going to go tour and and is there anything happening in the world of Boston? You know, um yes, uh uh DiCarlo we're going to be out, we're going to be busy. Uh we got a bunch of shows lined up for the first time in our really, well, not really the first time, but we've had a few shows out of state. We've we've gone to we've gone to Denver and played a show in Philadelphia and down down to Florida. But we're going to be going back out on a little more consistent basis this year. And um, we're going to be doing, uh, you know, quite a few shows across the country, which is going to be really a lot of fun. And um, unfortunately, no, there is not any news uh, um, out there for a, a Boston tour. Um, uh, it's um, really the best place for that and to find out is on bandboston.com. And um you know, it's uh, it's something that I think all of us band members, sure, we would all love to go out and tour every year because we not only because we you know are, are excited to get out and, and you know see the country again, but it's always nice to go out and, and play the music that you know people love. The reaction that we get from the fans when we play that music is, you know, it's a rush like no other. But um, yeah, you know, I, I wish I had some more news for you on that, Miss, but I don't, and. Um, you know, uh, if you if you're lucky enough to get Tom Schultz to do an interview, now that would be the person to ask. <laughs> yeah, and getting Tom is is almost impossible, I think. But uh, on that, uh, as we say, uh, Tommy, merci, thank you. Lightning strikes twice, folks. Uh, January twenty fourth, De Carlo. Uh, thank you. You're welcome, Mitch. I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Let me just turn this off a second. Ever wonder what Vince Neil would sound like if he was a black belt in Taekwondo? <laughs> what about what his favorite McDonald's menu item is? Just hold the pickles. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFun.